0: Dear fellow Redeemer, on this day we celebrate um, Epiphany, Epiphany being the last of the twelve days of Christmas, and Epiphany being the day that we also celebrate as a Gentile Christmas. We will consider briefly our reading, especially from the prophet Isaiah, with a little bit from the Gospel of Matthew. And as we begin, it must have been quite a sight, thinking of this Jesus. This Jesus, we don't know how old he is, although he's um, not on solid food yet. Because it's shortly after this that, that King Herod sends his troops to slaughter the infant boys in Bethlehem. And the guideline that he probably used was, well, if they're on solid food, they're probably okay. And if they're still nursing, then just get them all. And so, um, on that presumption, I, I presume that Jesus is somewhere between, I don't know, four months and a year and a half. Maybe he's recently learned how to crawl, maybe even started to walk, maybe even formed some of the sounds that he has heard his parents using. And they're, they sound like they're inhabiting and living in a house there in Bethlehem, that they haven't moved up to Nazareth, which won't happen for a little while and then these magi show up. Magi being wise men. You think of um, David and Shadrach, or Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, basically administrators, like in the royal court. Wise men, magi, uh, similar to, similar to um, the Egyptian magicians who tried to imitate the, the miracles that Moses and Aaron did. Magi who looked at the stars and tried to interpret What is happening, and what should we do next? Magi, up with a semi-truck load of gifts. And they're looking for a king. And they come to King Herod. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And King Herod is rightfully terrified, aside from the part that he's going insane, his, his brain, his mind is literally falling apart. You can read about that elsewhere. It's not a pretty story. But King Herod says, well, time out. If there is a king who has been born king of the Jews, then he deserves the throne that I'm sitting on. King Herod was descended from Esau. He, he had no right to the throne of Israel, aside from the fact that his buddy Caesar Augustus had put him on that throne. That's all the background. These wise men show up. They ask the man at the palace, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? and his scribes look at scripture and say, over there in in Bethlehem, the town of David. And they go and they knock on the door. And they see this little child as Mary and Joseph are wondering, who's knocking on the door when we're trying to, you know, have a bedtime routine and get this baby to sleep? Who's knocking on the door at this hour? And they open the door and it's this, this group of men. We don't know how many. But chances are they came with some sort of a squad or a company of soldiers if they're bringing gifts like that. And they say, We're here to worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. That term. The one descended from the family line of David. King of the Jews. The one who is a king from his very birth, who didn't need to wait um, until he was eight years old when he could take over the kingship. King of the Jews the one who would stand before Pontius Pilate and freely confess, yes, it is as you say, I am a king, and for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. King of the Jews, oddly enough, first confessed here in faith by the Magi, echoed by Pontius Pilate in the script above the crucified Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, who came to bring light to your life and mine. That that is what we celebrate on Epiphany and for the next few weeks until we get to the Transfiguration Sunday. That this Jesus has come to bring light to people in darkness. That's what Isaiah says in verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. Look, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the peoples. But the Lord will dawn upon you and his glory will be seen over you. And that when we talk about Jesus as the light, as the one who is the light and who brings the light, it would be very simple to just have a very simplistic and well-contained understanding of this Jesus, that I'm sinful, he's not. He took my sin, I'm forgiven, I go on my way. But it's more than that. That is what it is, but it's so much more than that that Isaiah says, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the peoples. And that darkness, yes it is, it is sin in and of itself, and in and of itself, and we see that in our lives. The darkness that each of us has brought into our lives, our relationship with one another. The darkness that our sin has brought about. But we also see um, in our lives the result of sin. And darkness that extends itself not only in in action or in fractured relationship, but darkness that bleeds over into our emotions. Darkness that isn't just sin, but those feelings of guilt or shame associated with that sin. Darkness that isn't just sin, but that is also the frustration of having been sinned against. Darkness that isn't just my sin, but maybe somebody's sin against me through no fault of my own or perhaps well-deserved. Darkness covers the peoples and deep darkness covers the earth. And that darkness is, is more than that. To see Jesus as the light and to see Jesus as the king who brings the light as he truly is, we need to see darkness For all that it entails. That the the darkness that covers the people and the thick darkness that covers the earth isn't just my action of sin against somebody and against God. Isn't just the sin of others against me, but sometimes it's just the result of life in a sinful world. It's that feeling of loss. And that feeling of regret. That feeling that that things really shouldn't be like this. of, Of missing somebody that you and I, you know, maybe it's, it's the, the loss of somebody in your life or a relationship that isn't what it once had been, that that darkness, part of it might just be life in a sinful world, where people get cancer in a sinful world and bodies break down in a sinful world. And, and we say, you know, they pass away too soon in a sinful world. Talk about darkness. Deep darkness covers the earth and darkness covers the people's. And it's more than that. It's not just my sin against God and against others, or others' sin against me, or just simply life in a sinful world, but then living with all the decisions that had been out of line and not in line with God's word. And I guess that especially comes to, comes to mind when we flip the calendar from one year to the next and we think of... Um, you know, what are some resolutions? What are some, some changes that I want to make in this new year? I talked about those a little bit last week, that resolutions in and of themselves aren't bad, but it does, it does highlight our understanding that life isn't as it should be. It does highlight the darkness that, that tries to creep in, and we try to, try to keep it pushed back. I'm going to make this change, and I'm going I'm to do more of that. And I think back even to um, some of my younger years. Some of my younger years where it was like every year, it was the same basic resolution of dealing with a particular sin. And every year, hoping that I would make it to the next month without, without um, falling into that particular sin. And I'm sure, you know, talking even, even talking vaguely and talking generally like that, You can fill in the blanks from your own mind and from your own life. Of where you see the shades of darkness creeping in, where you have had to deal with the darkness from your own heart and the darkness in your own life and the darkness even among the relationships that we love and cherish. Um, Whether that darkness was something that we brought on or not, it's there. And Isaiah says, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the peoples. And that that darkness is also there for, even for those outside of God's church, that is not exclusive to the people of God. Just that we perhaps have a greater awareness of it. Because we see how things ought to be. And that's where Isaiah takes us. He takes us by the hand and he leads us back to this king who brings light. This king that at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew starts out with, with the genealogy, a list To say that this king is the king descended from David. That this king is the king for all people, Matthew chapter 2. Because now the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, have come to worship before this king as well. That this king is a king for you. That this king wants to bring light also for you. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. The Lord will dawn upon you, and his glory will be seen over you that, in one sense, I don't care what darkness is in your life. I mean, I do, obviously, but in one sense, I really don't, because it all leads back to the same solution, the land of Jesus, the truth that this Jesus was born and that he was a king from the day he was born. That this Jesus was welcomed as a king by all nations, not just the Jewish people to whom he was promised as the Messiah, but that this king was welcomed by all nations who came before him with gifts fit for a king, of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. That this Jesus was welcomed as a king. And the fact that those magi came is reassurance and reminder for you and for me that this Jesus wants to bring light to your life too. Whether it's, whether it's the personal um, statement that God our Heavenly Father has forgiven us and I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or whether it's in a more individual setting as we, um, we also practice private confession and absolution that somebody can say something to me and I get to announce to them specifically for that particular sin that their sin is forgiven. And then I don't talk about it, I just bring it to God and, and get on with my life but that's part of the reason why you called me here to be your pastor and that the darkness that tends to creep in sometimes it's it's that set of emotions that we can't quite understand and don't quite know why we feel a certain way but we know that we do sometimes that darkness is outside of our control sometimes that darkness is related to a loss that, that we have experienced or somebody's sin against us, maybe even somebody else holding a grudge against you or me. And this Jesus has come to bring light to that as well. Because this King Jesus, who crawled over to the wise men, or who he perhaps toddled over with the health of his mother, this King Jesus came to bring light. And that light means, yes, your forgiveness. It means you have a place in his kingdom. It means that he describes his relationship with you so closely as members of his own body. It means that he describes your forgiveness so intimately that he says, take and eat for the forgiveness of your sins, take and drink. It means he describes your position in his household so fully that he places his name on you in holy baptism. It means that he describes this truth so freely that he says that this forgiveness is for all because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself what we just talked about in in Family Bible Hour about half an hour ago. And that this forgiveness is so free and full and complete that this light from Jesus is so unsparing and full that that light of Jesus, yes, applies to whatever the darkness may be, whether it's the sin or the shame that you don't want to confront, or whether it's um, the sin that you don't want to admit yet maybe it's the fact that you feel distant from a friend or a relative or maybe it's just the grief of a loss whatever it is bring it to Jesus because this light this fellowship that he has brought you into means that you can look around this room and, and you can see people where you know we, we haven't <laughs> and we've we we will not um, talk about what your particular cross, what your particular darkness may be, and I left mine purposefully vague so that you can see that yes, I'm, I I do the same things that you do. But look around this room, and you can see Christians who have been through been through anything near anything that you might experience. You can see older Christians who can think back over their lives and see how God brought them through and how God blessed them, how God gave them hope, even when it was the worst moment of their lives. You can look at younger Christians who confess with, um, with full-throated joy, I believe in God the Father Almighty, even if they haven't had to yet deal with the darkness that the world will throw at them, that we gather together as members of one body on this Epiphany Sunday, to celebrate that the king brings light. He brings light exactly as, as Matthew had promised and prophesied as the son of, of David. He brings light exactly as Matthew describes in Matthew chapter two as the Savior for all people. And he brings light most of all as the one who was proclaimed also as a king by the Gentile Pontius Pilate, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And for this reason, he came into the world to bring light to you and to me. And so there's every reason, there's every reason, even despite the, whatever, whatever it is, even despite the burden that you may carry, there's every reason to speak with joy because this Jesus has come. Where he says, you know, arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is on upon you. You talk about um, a God who looks upon you with favor, and a God who cares about you in every detail of your life. He talked most of all that the Lord will dawn upon you and his glory will shine over you. That the King has come and he has brought his light. Amen.